Hey, Kevin, how are you? Hi, Mike. Yeah, very good, thanks. How are you? It's cold. <laughs> but yes, good. <laughs> yeah. I'll be in the office this morning. It's cold but sunny here, so I'll, I'll take that at the moment. Absolutely, any day. <laughs> so what we thought we'd talk about this week is the role of kind of visionary and the role of, vi- of operator inside a kind of a growing business in yep. that kind of you've got to like half a million a turnover, you're trying to get to two or three million a turnover. Um, how does that all work? Yep. Um, and should we just give a bit of background that the context of this is from the book, actually a few books, Get a Grip, Traction, Rocket Fuel is very good actually, which goes into the yes. absolute split between visionary and integrator. I found that's, the story is interesting the first time, but when you really want to kind of, how do you implement this and make it work? I think the more factual Rocket Fuel is probably my favorite out of those three. Yeah. And Rocket Fuel is very good. Definitely. Yes. And that, that phrase, they call them the integrator which I thought was a really interesting way of positioning it was that you've got this visionary and then you've got the integrator. Yeah. Um, but integrator, operator, call them what you will. But yeah, the integrator role, it becomes critical. Do you want to talk about your experience if you scale, uh, as you've scaled up your businesses in currently and in the past? There's something that I thought of very recently, which was originally I grew an agency from 2006 as a SEO practitioner that had studied a bit of business, but really never ran a business. So... I teamed up with a business partner who knew about business, but didn't know as much about SEO. And actually, I think in hindsight, I would have loved to have read that the book at that point in time, because I remember we reached a point and I ended up leaving the company. And I think this wasn't the main reason, but it's probably one of the reasons. We had a meeting at one point where I set out, this is what I want to do in order for us to grow next year. And I feel like we'd stagnated a little bit, but this is how we get to the next level and what we should do. And I remember asking my business partner, what do you think we should do? Or what do you, where do you think you can add value in your role? So move yeah. us and I remember his reply was, well, I'll do the bits that you don't do. And <laughs> I just remember thinking at the time and probably years afterwards, I just thought that was a really bad answer that it's just like, okay, well, he doesn't know what he's doing. And I've reflected back on that and I, I actually think that was a good answer. Yeah, I mean, I think exactly. It's a good answer in the context of the visionary and the integrator role. So yeah. I did, there's a test that you can take. I don't know the exact address, but I'm sure we could put it in the show notes. And it allows you to answer a series of questions and then tell you if you're a, a visionary or an integrator. And I did this in a group of about eight people. I think as a percentage, I scored something like 92% on visionary, which was... I think the, the second highest was uh, in the 70s or something. So I was right. clearly the strongest in the visionary. And on integrator, I don't remember my exact score, but I think it was certainly down in the 40s, if not lower. That was by far out of that room, the lowest on that. And there's some people that are equally good at both or maybe train themselves to be better at one or the other. But yeah, I think in terms of my story, I've, I've always been very clear that my strength is the visionary style Where's the industry going? How do I build contacts? How do I get excited thinking five, 10 years ahead? Yeah. When it comes to the day to day, I genuinely don't care. <laughs> and I've got better things to worry about. But that said, it's not that it's better things to worry about. It's just using your strengths and weaknesses. And there's better people to deal with different things at different stages as well. So I think that's kind of the overview and the, the context of how I've seen that develop. I mean, it's very interesting about the, there's a reason, many reasons, why very few companies break through the million turnover. It's really simple. Mm -hmm. Is that most companies, most entrepreneurs, most founders, 
they start their own company, they don't often have a business partner, a true partner at the beginning. They normally start something because of a passion or because of a problem they found, but often it's on their own unless they've got seed money of some kind. Yeah. And so what happens is they grow these companies and then the founder is the seller and the founder is the visionary. Typically, I find that most companies that succeed, not all, but most, the founder is the visionary and the salesperson because that's how you build clients and that's how you build revenue. And then as you get towards that kind of 700K of turnover, the wheels start coming off because (laughs) there's no integrator. And because by nature, as you've just said, your natural style is not to be the integrator or the operator. It just isn't your natural style. And so therefore, you're far more excited and interested by bringing in new business. And what happens is you get this, you bring in new business. There's no integrator sat behind you. You lose clients because you failed to deliver high quality service. So you bring in new clients and the cycle repeats. And so you just get this cycle. So you just churn a lot of clients because you can scale. I've definitely seen that. And someone else described this to me as you're running a bath with the plug open. And that's what happens. You end up winning, but you're also losing. That means you're overall standing still or just that growth is halted a lot. And I think that's the key thing. How do you keep everything moving forward? whilst you still you're aligned with a longer term you put this in in good terms quite a while back when we were talking about the structure of our team and I remember you were saying Kevin you focus on top line revenue Chelsea at the time who was MD you focus on profitability and then we had an operations manager and so you focus on doing great work for our clients and making sure that we're getting results and between that if we're delivering quality we're making a profit as an agency and we're on the right track for the long term, we're not just taking on stuff for the sake of it to make the numbers look good that month. Actually, we're we're going in the right direction, but we're not. I mean, I think I've mentioned this on podcast before, but I, I think I've been guilty in the past of thinking five years ahead instead of five minutes ahead. And I've, I think it's again, there's a there's a place and time for absolutely everything, and it's trying to get all of that lined up as smoothly as possible. And and it's not normally one person that can do all of that. And interesting, so on this podcast and, and for our listeners, I was running a program yesterday on uh, negotiation skills training and procurement insights to 20 salespeople, really good quality salespeople, great quality clients, uh, high growth. And at the end of the procurement insights piece, which was like 25, 30 slides, I said to people, so any questions? And one of the salespeople said, yeah, I've got a question, Mike. I'm like, oh, what's that? They said, um, you've distilled 15 years experience into 25 slides. And I'm at the starting post and you're near the end. How on earth am I going to consume all of this information you've given me? What am I going to do with it? And it's the, pro- it's the same problem with the visionary is that if you think five years ahead, you're way ahead of your team. You're massively ahead of your team. Mm-hmm. And so you end up with this disconnect between the five-year vision and where we're going and the kind of the, the trailblazer and yeah. this team that sat there delivering a day-to-day client going, I can't relate to it, Kevin. It's too far away and it's, it's too big. What do I do? And the reason I relate yesterday's story is I said to this guy, it's very simple. Start with, on this slide, there's this step-by-step process. Just do that. Get anything else? Just do that. Mm-hmm. When you get that right, go back and look at the pack and then do this thing. Yeah. And he went, okay. And that in that moment, it was like I've connected this big topic with 15 years experience into a tomorrow morning when you get up and you get that problem look at this slide 
Yeah. The visionary has got to be able to connect the future with what do I do tomorrow morning? Yeah, exactly. And it's trying to definitely trying to pull it back into, you have to communicate with the team, but also relate it to them. So it's no good me saying, I want us to get to 10 million turnover by X and we want to win these type of clients, X, Y, Z. That could be quite exciting, but... Kevin, sounds brilliant, but what do I do tomorrow morning? Yeah, what do I what do I do differently? How is that going to change? And actually, then if you can turn that into, okay, well, these are the types of clients that we want to work with, or this is the type of thought leadership we want to put out there to attract the right type of, like, that's where it becomes more actionable. And yeah. it's not just about, it's the difference between, I guess, a wish and trying to turn that into an action plan and making it happen. Yeah. And, and I think that's, yeah, I think that's really important. And to your point, I think just knowing where to start is... Exactly. Because I mean, yeah. the Chinese weren't wrong. You know, when they said every every journey starts with a step. Yeah, they're yeah. correct. I mean, we, we've got this. I've got. I've even forgot what my own phrase was, Kevin. We talk about this. If you don't have a vision, don't complain when you arrive somewhere you don't like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but you're right. It's every step of that journey. It's I relate a lot to running. So I've signed right. up to run the marathon, which obviously should have happened this year. It's now next year. And in order to run a marathon, I still haven't done yet. But my plan is not to get up one morning and run 26.2 miles. It's to get up one morning, not feel like doing it, but I'm going to put my running clothes on. I'm going to tie up my shoes and I'm going to get out the door. And then I'm going to, it it literally is step by step. And quite often if I go out for what should be a half an hour run, it might turn into an hour. And then bit by bit, that 5K becomes a 10K, becomes a half marathon, et cetera. And it's how do you build upon that? And I think, actually one of the important steps here that probably connects that integrator and visionary i think is how do you appreciate and celebrate the milestones in between of you're you're getting towards that vision and this is working because i do think there can be an underappreciation for that integrator role and it's very important to bring it together because it's the behind the scenes not looking for the limelight style i'm just going to get on with stuff and make everything happen and I do think there's just a natural tendency to think that's not as important. Whereas in actual fact, yeah, that's what makes things run like clockwork. Do you remember, get, cast your mind back, I think it was about a year, maybe. We were sat in your uh, boardroom uh, in the office and we were talking about, okay, so how do we get the team focused? Because yeah. we went through this, this kind of massive change. And we said, I think collectively, we came to the conclusion of, look, there are three things and they are in priority order. Excellence, retention, and yeah. growth. Yeah. You do great work, we'll retain clients. If we retain clients, they'll refer us and we'll grow. Yeah. And that mantra we kind of stuck by. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And it's really worked. Yeah, it comes back to retention is growth, especially when you've seen the model where growth when you're not retaining is not growth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Correct. And so I think, again, you know, this, this kind of role of the visionary, the danger is if you're just the visionary and you can't get the team to do the, the way we're going to get to this vision is deliver excellent work. That will mean that we retain our clients and that means they'll refer us or more grow and that will get us towards our vision. If you can't do that, then you'll just be a visionary with no business. Yeah, and I think maybe to put it into context for some of the listeners, I think some of the more famous examples would be Steve Jobs and 
I forgot Wozniak's first name now. I can't even remember. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's Steve. Yeah, you're right. But again, it's like Wozniak is clearly the lesser known. Yes. But without him, I would imagine Steve Jobs would be a disaster. Exactly. (laughs) But likewise, on the flip side, without Steve Jobs, Wozniak would not have created Apple computers and had that vision. So it's quite interesting watching their film because Jobs, the way the film was portrayed, they, they kind of, well, they fell out. So this is a very interesting point. So you mentioned Jobs and Wozniak. I wrote down Larry Ellison and Ray Lane. Back in, two th- back in the late 90s. Same right. thing. Larry Ellison was the visionary, massive visionary, cloud, cloud computing uh, at Oracle. Uh, and then they brought Ray Lane in, and Ray Lane was brought in to make the trains run on time. Yeah. And they, it was very successful for a few years, and then they fell out. So the challenge here for everyone is having a visionary and an integrator is great, but getting the chemistry right between the two of them is really challenging. One thing I've seen as a trend is with big companies like that, there's a tendency of when the visionary departs, they're replaced by a financial person. And I think that's kind of because people are then thinking about short-term gains. How do we maximize profit? I think that's quite quite a risk. Certainly when you look at the, uh, the companies that are on their kind of second generation of leadership, Apple is a good example of Tim yeah. Cook, I think is from a financial FD style or CFA background. And at least Blair and Brown. Look at the difference between Tony Blair and um, and Brown. When Brown yeah, yeah, and I think that's the thing of actually in short-term gains, I think you can find that. But it, if you look back at how much innovation has there really been over the last five years from the likes of Apple, Google, Facebook, I feel like they've really slowed. And I think a lot of it is they've had a lot of it now comes through acquisition. The Apple iPhone, whatever number we're on now is slightly better than every, I mean, it's not going to get worse, is it? But it's definitely not innovating in the same way that it passed. And I think a lot of those companies, maybe at a certain size, they, they play safe. And I think actually when they've, they're really thriving is when they have that right balance between visionary and integrator to make, yeah kind of like that longer term vision work and I, I think there's a risk that by playing safe someone else could come and overtake them by taking those risks and having a more clearer vision about what the future looks like and, and going for it and also the acceptance Kevin I think it's important that and a lot could be said probably about our relationship is that the acceptance is that we both accept we've got very different skills and very different perspectives but because we've been around yeah, quite a bit in business, there's no competition. Yeah. It's not like I'm trying to be the, the bigger, better, more experienced person. You're not trying to be the more visionary, uh, engaging, sales-oriented person. It's like you're just doing what you do and I'm doing what I do. And we found a way of getting on whereby we don't compete and there's no judgment. Is that you'll ask me a question about something like you did this morning and I'll ask you a question. Mm-hmm. And it's like... It, that lack of competition is critical because if one thinks yeah. they work for the other, like if the integrator thinks they are subservient to the visionary. Yeah. And that's what happened with Ray Lane and uh, Larry Allison. I think, you know, from what I can read, Ray Lane started to think, well, hang on a minute, I'm running the business. Yeah. You know, so wh- why do we need Larry Allison? Mm-hmm. And you get that tension. And that is really hard to manage, I would say. And you've had that in your businesses. I've seen it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just, for me, some of the things maybe come down to 
even like the equity split of what's fair, what's right. And it's like everyone feeling that they're a part of it and how do they move forward? And again, I think I, I wouldn't say there's a fair equity split between a visionary and an integrator. You kind of have to look at those roles and what the people bring. But I think and, that, and when they arrived, if you yeah. feel that the company is a visionary and you own all the equity and five years in, you bring in an integrator, well, they don't deserve half the company because you no. No, no, exactly. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. But yeah, I, I do think those pieces are really important. And obviously, you can build that out as you grow in terms of yeah. operations. And normally in the early stage, like you were alluding to in terms of my role, it's quite biz dev focused. And I think in the true definition of visionary, you're more focused around, I think there's, there's three key things. It's the vision, where you want to be, maybe your positioning around that, the financial performance of a company, and just making sure that Again, like you, you're at a overall level performing in the way that you should be, and then the culture of the team and making sure that you've got the right team in place. You're managing them and bringing people in and holding them account to account against your values, and then everything else is kind of more developed by maybe different scorecards. And as you look into the EOS model, you've got responsibility and accountability for different functions, whether that's sales marketing hr operations it's under one roof but i don't think any company starts with a visionary in the true sense of the role because you have to wear all of these different hats and you do then figure out which ones to pass on to other people and delegate as you grow i'm interesting i've kind of written down in just one of my my notes is can you find a visionary and an integrator in one role yeah you can find those people yeah but what I suspect is they won't be deep. And that, I think, is a challenge for early stage companies is you actually do need to have someone who's got, I think you're an amazing visionary and an opinion leader. And that's been proven. You speak at conferences, you're well respected in your industry. And so your natural tendency is to be externally focused, thinking about the future, thinking about how the industry changes. You can do the integrated stuff because you've had to, because as you say, you've got no choice at the beginning. Yeah. But it's not your natural style. And it's not something that you want to do every day and get up out of bed and do that. I know it will drain me. I will do it as a, I probably call it a necessary evil of like, I, I have to do it. But in terms of what excites me, it's definitely thinking longer term. And I think that's the key. Like, like you're saying, if there's someone that is good at both, I think you probably do have to reach a point at a certain stage of you need to pick one to go with. And then yeah. how do you pair that with someone that's stronger at your weakness? But it's probably, you'll probably get further alone if you're a good mix in the early stages, but then not as far unless you divide and conquer a little bit. And so on that point, you know, one of my kind of, one of my tips, one of my takeaways is you need to build cash reserves for a number of reasons, but you need to build a pot and you know, let's call it the, um, the integrator pot is as you build your company, you need to squirrel away enough money so that you can afford to employ an integrator at some point. Yeah. Because what will happen is if you don't do that, you'll just keep on running and you won't be able to ever to afford to bring in an integrator because it seemed to be a kind of cost to the business yep. rather than a huge benefit to the business. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you have to, I think it takes probably probably six months yeah. to get that person to be effective and generating effectively their own salary in company benefits. Yeah. It takes time. It's about systems, it's about processes. You get churning the staff because people don't like the fact that we're now turning into a more organized, disciplined 
organization, all that has cost. You've got to kind of get through that yep. with enough cash to say, I can see on the other side how much better it's going to be and how it will now allow us to meet our vision. That's the hard part. Yeah, no, I think it is. And I, I think something else that you helped us with ages ago was job titles. And yeah, I've never been that concerned about job titles, but also I have a bias of I do run, run a company and can give myself any job title. I yeah. like guess, but I think one thing that we did is we made a split between making myself the CEO and at the time making Chelsea the MD. And the reason for that was much more the internal language, probably a lot more than it was the external, because then the team knows who do they report into on a day-to-day basis. Exactly. And my role externally is very clear that it's not that I'm not involved in the business. I absolutely am, but I'm more externally facing as opposed to internally. And I think that's a key thing. And I think, again, as you grow and get bigger, that's where you might have an operations manager or an ops director underneath that as well but I think being clear on those roles and responsibilities as a generalization I think typically an operations person can probably step up into that integrator role over time and it's probably the the best way to have them in there initially and then they can take that step up as you grow and then they're more ingrained into the company whereas if it's an outside person it does feel like quite a risk to bring in an integrator from day one and it's a great tip actually it's a great tip is recruit them as an ops manager, but recruit the person that fits the integrated profile. Yeah, exactly right. I, I think from personal experience, I think that works better. It doesn't disrupt the team and actually it's rewarding. I think that you you give those opportunities for growth. So what's the summary, Kevin? What's your kind of like your top tip? What would someone do tomorrow? Take the test. Ah. I think that's my tip. And again, we'll, we'll find a way to share this as show notes because I think it's very good, but... You, the first step is to realize, are you a visionary or are you an integrator? And if, if you are somewhere in the middle, maybe try and think hard about it. I know someone that did score in the middle and he told me that he scored in the middle because maybe like me and to a certain extent needed and definitely more so than me, needed to understand both. So he trained himself to be almost equally as good at both. Right. But when he really thought about what does what empowers him, what excites him versus what drains him a little bit. Yeah, it was, okay, well, the visionary is where I I would like to be longer term. I think that's the first step. And from there, the pieces start to come together. That's definitely a great first step. I mean, I think mine would be two parts. Make sure you've got a vision. So sit down, clarify a vision. Where are you going? If you're the founder, the owner, what what is your vision? Where are you going? Check you've actually got one. And then secondly, look at the way that you manage the cash in your business. Reduce your owner's drawings and owner's salary and start to put it into a pot for investing mm-hmm. in growth. Because yeah. if you don't invest in growth through having cash reserves, you'll find it almost impossible to grow without risking the business. It'll just fall over. Yeah. You run out of working capital. But that's my financial rational head talking. It's why we get along so well, Kevin, because we look at it from different perspectives. It's really well, good. Yeah, no, and that's that's the whole point of this. It's building yeah. those different perspectives and skill sets together in a way that I always refer to you as you ask me the questions that I wouldn't know to ask. And, <laughs> and that's why it works, because otherwise it's, Correct. don't know what you don't know. That's very well put. Thanks, Kevin. Really enjoyed this one. It was very good indeed.